Hey guys, we are back. Welcome to Rankable episode number 42. I'm your host as usual, Jared Thomas, Senior Account Executive at iPool Rank. And we've got a great episode lined up for you guys. I got two very special guests with us today. Um, today's episode, we're gonna be discussing the current and future state of SEO, right? So I, I know I was gonna say to my, I'm not even in the middle. I thought I was gonna say to my right. <laughs> but we've got our own very own Colt Silva. Uh, he's has over eight plus years of experience in, in the SEO space. Um, he's done e-commerce. He's also done digital media. Um, I get to work with him firsthand. He's brilliant and I'm super excited to have him, you know, have him join today. So Colt, thank you brother for joining me. Thank you for sharing your expertise today. I know you're gonna drop some, some flames, man. <laughs> thank you for that fantastic introduction. Happy Good. to be here. <laughs> Glad to have you, man. Glad to have you. And our, our other guest, right? So he has over 10 plus years of experience in the SEO industry. If you're part of the community, you've probably seen him on webinars, conferences, other podcasts. He's super sharp and knows his work, right? So he's worked for companies like Texas Instruments, Daily Motion. Shout out to the Daily Motion team. Got some good friends there. Atlassian and G2. He's officially a, a official member of the Forbes Communications Council and is currently the director of SEO for Shopify. I'd like to introduce our good friend, Kevin Indig. How are you, brother? Hey, thanks a lot, man. You, you dug all the old gems with Texas Instruments, man. That was an internship way, way back. <laughs> Love it. Oh, man, that's, it, it molded you. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, yeah, you could say that, man. <laughs> but I, I appreciate you, gents, both for, for, for joining. Thank you for everybody who's tuned in today. We have a great one for you guys. So once again, we're going to be talking about the current and future state of SEO. And uh, we'll jump right into it. So I'd love to know from you both, right? Let's start at the top. So for those who aren't familiar with SEO as we are, what would you say are the biggest changes that have occurred in SEO in, let's say, the last three to five years? Um, yeah, I could throw out a first one. I would say uh, this one's pretty technical, but BERT or sort of like Google has been using the transformer machine learning model for almost everything that they've been doing. Mm -hmm. um, and that's sort of like, you know, if you have a sentence and you do, you know, you remove a word here or there, this okay. machine learning algorithm will replace that word with the correct context so it's really just context learning and that can be used for question answering or um ranking really so yeah i would say that that's my number one yeah yeah i totally agree uh i would jump i, I would I would place machine learning in the middle as well and i think machine learning is central to everything that google does from understanding what high quality actually means, right? Which is very difficult for machines, right? We humans use a lot of implicit understanding, reading between the lines, but machines, quote unquote, need everything explicit. Uh, and machine learning helps Google bridge that gap. Um, so that's that's when it comes to understanding what high quality content means. Yeah. And then I think there's also a lot more machine learning being used to understand what Google, what people actually want, right? Like yeah. not just what high quality means, but also what are people actually trying to achieve? And that's another, like when we talk about BERT, right? Which is, yeah. which really targets that kind of user intent understanding. Yeah. Um, then I think it's, it's important to point out how good Google has become at, and understanding what people are actually searching for, right? There's so yeah. much going on when people type in certain search words. And the funny thing is, as people see that Google better understands their intent, they change their search behavior as well, right? So it's a yeah. very dynamic space. Maybe as a third theme that I'm seeing, I think one thing to highlight is how Google augment, augments the search results with SERP features to yeah. deliver answers faster 
two users, right? Like uh, map packs, uh, thumbnails, image packs, video carousels, featured snippets, all these kind of things. And that's a big disruptor to the search landscape because on the one hand, it means that Google might send less traffic to websites in some cases. And on the other hand, it means that uh, websites might get fewer um, traffic or higher volatility in the traffic that they see because Google does a lot of testing with these SERP features, right? And so that brings a, a natural kind of unsteadiness or volatility into the search results. Yeah, yeah, which goes back to how, how do we provide the best experience for their users, right? Which is the main goal of Google, right? I know for me, I think the best one for, for what I liked as far as the Google update, I think the EAT one was a big one. Right. And for those who aren't familiar with it, it's expertise, um, authority and trustworthiness. Right. So essentially think about COVID-19 right now. Think about all the amount of content that have come out of there. Right. And it basically just allows you or puts an emphasis on you using an expert. Right. Especially when it comes to certain certain industries like financial, uh, medical, things like that. We want to make sure that they want to make sure that they get the content that's valuable, that is trustworthy, that, you know, obviously get you what the information you want when you want it. So that was a really, really big one. But I'm really interested in the machine learning use cases, guys. So I know we've done some really cool things in Coke. Would you mind going through it? I would love to talk about like what we've done in terms of like the, the natural language generation use cases here. We've had a few clients that, that had some really cool work. So do you want to just give a high level overview of what it is and we can go into detail? Yeah, well, some of what I do is like natural language processing. So we're taking just raw text and we're processing it and handling certain ways. So that might be um, like sentiment analysis where, you know, you take results and you can just automatically see is that positive or negative. Um, and then you can sort of automate reputation management through that. And then that's cool. You also have natural language generation where uh, a lot of times there will be like e-commerce sites who have uh categories you know with millions of products and some of those categories are dynamically based on the products and yeah. so from that aspect you could end up with you know generated categories which you then want to generate descriptions for um so on sites you know that are pushing millions of pages and can't possibly hire a writer to do that you know you can automate some of that process yeah yeah and we, we've seen some really cool ones like on e-commerce brands right so think about if you're an e-commerce website and you have over a million different products right most of the people that i speak to in the e-commerce um, space they usually get their product descriptions their content usually straight from the manufacturers right so if you're an auto company you're having the same product as you know all of your competitors and there's no real differentiation in terms of your product set it is think about a tire right it'd be tire, left tire, X, Y, Z, dash two as the skew. And you're like, what does that mean? <laughs> you know what I mean? So essentially what we've done, and, and, and it's been really cool, I'm, I'm glad to be a part of the process, where we were actually able to generate product descriptions at scale using natural language generation um, as a use case for SEO. And then if you were to do it manually, you know, you'd have to hire the copywriters, the content people, the strategists, right? And it could take you years and it's a very heavy investment, right? So we've been able to kind of chop that in half using the natural language uh, use cases uh, generation. And then uh, we've actually seen some great results with that. So that's something that Colts worked on. I think that was really cool. But, but what about you, Kevin? What, what do you what do you think is um, some cool use cases? What keeps you excited or, or keeps you up? Yeah, you know, machine learning is such a broad field, actually. I think often people think that it's just this, like, one thing, but there's so many different buckets and categories. I think language right. generation, super exciting, as you mentioned, called. Um, and I think that there's also still a lot of room for growth when it comes to 
data analysis with machine learning, right? Like models that just faster tell you, for example, hey, there are outliers here or there are anomalies in the data and make you aware of that. Um, and then there's also this processing large chunks of data and making that, like helping you dig through that or sort through that, right? I already mentioned how the search results landscape becomes more uh, volatile and there's more noise. And so machine learning can really help us to make sense of that noise, right? To say, hey, let's let's like look at the patterns. Like here we see correlations, yes. right? Correlation is another thing that's like, it's a word that's thrown around so often. And sure, you have, an, you have a correlation function in Excel uh, and sometimes that's helpful, right? But then other times you have like huge database that you can't even open with Excel. And then like try finding correlations in, in something like that. And that's what I find very exciting for uh, an exciting use case for machine learning, because if you can, um, you know, create a very simple algorithm or program or script that just sorts through lots of data and, and tells you the trends, that in itself is super helpful. Yeah, it's so good at classification. Like, yeah. um, you know, as soon as you're trying to do keyword analysis on millions of, of URLs, and if you're trying to do like, cohort analysis for that too to assign it to you know certain groups of people then you have a big seo problem on your hand that machine learning can help with absolutely yeah. absolutely classification uh cohorts and yeah i mean even just like with with keywords right like not every site has to deal with that but some very big sites if they want to understand hey this is these are the opportunities that are out there yeah. sometimes like you know a bit, a bit tricky imagine you're a big a fast growing startup right and like you discover oh seo is a real opportunity for us cool so if you have to go out there and manually uncover thousands ten thousands hundred thousands of keywords you want to go after like no way right there's there's no way you got to do that in a short amount of time but if you if you can work with classification or set certain parameters for a program that works with a maybe it's just like a beautiful linear regression right it's nothing fancy like then in itself can be a game changer it can shorten your time to to ship or to find key insights that are important for the business and then on the other hand make it just so much easier for you to to kind of pick the cherries and prioritize your work yeah it sounds like there's a as far as the machine learning it's just allowing you to work smarter not harder right how do we implement this to take the, the heavy grunt work out of seo right but i'm curious to know from you both like how has it evolved as far as machine learning from like the past to now, like, and where do you guys see it going in the future? Is there anything that, you know, any predictions you guys want to make or how do you see it being used in a day to day for SEOs? Um, I think it starts like, it's always been sort of a statistical problem. Like yeah. we'll occasionally use TFIDF, which is just a way to statistically, you know, adjust the words that you're looking at in a piece of text. And, you know, you can walk all the way back to the 60s where we've been doing some of this work and it's all been statistical. It's just we've hidden this statistical analysis inside of a black box that's that we're calling machine learning, but it's still just really complicated statistics that we're, you know, applying at a massive scale because we have GPUs that can handle it. Um, so I think in the future, it's just we're going to get bigger computers and it's going to do statistics better. Yeah, I'm all with you, Cole. Right, I think like like the machine learning stamp is often like pulled very quickly, right? It's like oh, boom, machine learning, and then it's it's just a linear uh, regression, which in it's like there's nothing wrong with that, right? Um, however, when I think about the really exciting things lately, I think like uh, language generation, text generation, algorithms, that is some fascinating stuff. Um, especially GPT three, you know, GPT two already was 
I think uh, a bit unrated and already pretty good, but like the stuff that we see now and also the consumer ready stuff like uh, copy a copy AI uh, is a mm -hmm. tool that I played around with recently and it's not perfect. Right. But it's way better than expected. And we're seeing more of those kind of applications. And then I would also say image recognition is pretty stunning. Um, especially what Google is doing with image recognition is crazy. I think what they showed at Google I.O. just a couple, like a week ago, mm -hmm. uh, was pretty impressive, right? Whether you can take a, an image or a photo with Google Photos and it will tell you the products that it that it finds in your photo, Ooh, that's, that's pretty sick, right? So there's, I think, image recognition and, and uh, um, uh, what I mentioned before, uh, those are uh, text generation. Those are the, the most interesting fields. Yeah, this, right the Google I.O. topic by itself, it, we could unpack that whole thing because yeah. they introduced several models that they're going to be introducing. Um, and the product one specifically was really interesting because I know that you have a lot of experience with sort of like centrality algorithms like PageRank mm. and um, KyRank, Ky right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, and uh, basically, they're going to introduce this knowledge graph and like PageRank philosophy to products. So you could say, you know, like, hey, you just bought a toy, you might be interested in this child element, battery. And then they're able to draw this entire graph around products, apply machine learning to that, and then all of a sudden you're getting rec uh, recommendations, it's tied to reviews, it's tied to company entities. So really the, the knowledge graph is going to become global. Yes, I love that you speak about that because it's... it's it's so underrepresented in the coverage of IO. And I think it's absolutely crucial. And the, the point that stuck, out, that stuck out to me beside the shopping graph in general, right? Which is like, we had the knowledge graph then we or the entity graph, and then we had the topic layer on top of that. And now we get a shopping graph, right? So first of all, it's important to highlight the different layers of the entity graph, mm -hmm. right? Or of Google's understanding uh, of language. and. The other thing is the multimodality, which is just stunning, right? We just spoke about how like image recognition and machine learning, right? But now Google is basically able to say, okay, whether it's an image, a video, um, text, or audio, I extract information from all of these formats and I'm able to pull them together in a unified understanding of what an entity actually means, right? So in a, in a, in a, in an extrapolated scale, that could mean that if even like we like imagine this 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 video comes on YouTube right now, right, and we start talking about um, the latest uh, I don't know what's Nike Air Jordans or whatever. Yeah, just right? start like throwing out keywords: PS Five, Eurovision. Let's get this trending. Right, right. Shopify, Shopify, and uh, <laughs> <laughs> and it, it means that at some point Google will be able to, or pretty soon Google will be able to understand all these topics that are being covered and then like throw that together with information from all sorts of other formats and then and, and, and gain a better understanding of of the importance right so it will obviously mean that this video in itself has no relevance to um, to Shopify or to PS5 or to Air Jordans, right? Because we just, we, there's a different topic that we cover in depth and Google is able to understand that. And that's, that's exciting. Yeah. I'm just sitting here learning from you guys. I'm like, this is great. <laughs> well, then there's an even other layer on that because they introduced the idea of like multi-factor questions, you know, where you, the, I think the example that they gave was that there's, um, you know, you ask, hey, I'd hiked this place before. 
what do I need to hike to this different place? And then, so they're going to be pulling in weather and location data and product data. And so it's like double format questions that could be answered from all these sources. I mean, the, the implications of that are completely wild. Oh yeah. It's, it's almost limitless, right? It comes back to this implied meaning, right? Like this other place, what does it actually mean for a machine that's really hard to understand? It seems that Google can understand that context based on your behavior, search behavior, all that kind of stuff. Um, also across different formats, right? And then it can even invent its own questions and go out and answer them, right? That's the that's the transformer technology implied in this uh, in in, uh, in 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 Mum, right? Um, where they can then say, okay. The machine doesn't just it doesn't just get better doesn't just get better, doesn't just get better at understanding language and information, but can synthesize its own language and information from that. So yeah, I agree with you. I mean, it's let, let's see what this looks like in action, right? Like Google I/O always has, of course, the the best demos and all that kind of stuff. I want to actually see what it's like in reality. But just the vision that Google um, puts out there is is exciting. I don't know why, and this is very random. But when you guys speak, I'm just thinking like iRobot in a way that <laughs> are going to transform in the future. Like the the way that things have evolved, like you said, the way the the use cases that we're presenting right now, and the way you know it's used for search, right? It's amazing, right? There's going to be no limitations pretty soon as far as what we'd be able to accomplish at a large scale, right? And I think that's probably why their do no evil methodology is so important to them because they have a lot of power. Yeah. Yes. Yes. And I think they have some, they committed to some um, ethical standards, but uh, I agree. I think it's important for some sort of government or something else to start governing these standards and holding companies Absolutely. accountable to it. Absolutely. I think that's what we're, we're trying to do now, right? As far as Congress, uh, you know, with the big four tech companies and things like that. But the, using all of this data in order to provide a, a good experience, yes, is one thing. But it's like, uh, I'm, not, I'm not sure how. I, like for instance, like the ads. I know you guys have talked about ads. You go to a website. It's been times I've talked about, it, not even clicked on a website, and I see it on my Instagram. <laughs> I know you guys have seen it. Like creepy stuff like that. I don't like right. Like just because I I looked at a trampoline for my kid. Now you're showing like trampoline clothing and all that. Like, all right, I don't really want that. I just want this thing so I can work. It's <laughs> gotten crazy, man. It's Something I just learned. Oh, I'm sorry. Something I just learned today was that Google originally had didn't have cookies until I don't know, maybe like 2003, and they were falling apart because of it because everyone else had introduced cookies into their advertising campaigns, and they were trying to be better than them by not having cookies. And you know, this new browser cookieless world that they're trying to introduce might just be them trying to come back around where they've never wanted cookies. It's just been a necessary business evil. Yeah. Yeah. And if you don't mind, can you, can you explain to us too, just for the audience, anybody who's not familiar with it, the cookies were cookieless world that we're moving towards. And what is that going to be the impact, you know, for us as users, as well as them um, for, you know, publishers and brands that have a digital real estate. From my understanding, it's that um, Chrome and mm -hmm. everything related to Chrome or uh -huh. Chromium is going to have um, basically a unique idea attached to it. And then that is going to be your cohort ID for advertising instead of being able to embed cookies. And so Chrome would like to disable that functionality at some point. And the problem that they're running into is that everything that's based off of Chrome doesn't want to use this new cookie list feature. 
So that would be Brave. Um, that would be Edge, Microsoft Edge. Yeah. Uh, basically, most of the big players in the space are, are basing their uh, their technology off of Chromium. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's it's fascinating. It's interesting to see, or it goes to show how kind of dominant Google has become and how good they have become too, right? I think the reason for why people are using Chromium is just because it's it's a superior engine. Um, but regarding the cookie point, I think it's it's a it's a it's an important um, development that that kind of makes two points, right? The one is that generally like third-party cookies, like I think that's that's going to be that's going to be very difficult to sustain in the future. And generally this idea of privacy and uh, and tracking, super important. The, te- the second thing um, is that more of the experience from Google side, or better said, more things are happening in the browser itself, right? Yeah. So we talk about um, uh, cookie tracking or just just tracking in general, right? This this moves more into um, Google tracking, or not just Google, it's also uh, Apple, by the way, but tech companies tracking uh, behavior and then kind of extrapolating that into cohorts and, and instead of like attaching actual cookies to people, right? Yeah. Um, so it's important because it means that these tech companies will have more power over tracking and it's going to be less accessible to uh, third-party sites or third-party providers in general. And uh, that's also interesting because we see that same trend with the page experience update, right? Yeah. Uh, page experience is measured in the browser. It's not measured um, through uh, through, through uh, cookies or through uh, servers. It's, it's measured in the browser uh, with actual field data, right? So I just wanted to like, I know I, I, I distorted the conversation a little bit, but I just wanted to go to, to show that it's very interesting how much more is being tracked and done in the browser as opposed to on the server level. Great point, man. Great point. And I didn't even realize we're coming up on it a little bit now, man. But I would love to know, you know, as we, you know, obviously 2020 was a crazy year, you know, the year of the digital transformation. More people are paying attention to SEO, being on digital, having an e-commerce brand, transforming your, your brand if you were a brick and mortar store, things of that nature was super critical for 2020. So what are some things that, you know, what are some changes or some trends in 2021, the SEO should be paying attention about, or, or should be, you know, really looking out for. Colt, you want to take this? Yeah, I mean, page speed, like literally, what we were just talking about is client side um, rendering, yeah. and I think this ties to Google's investment into small devices. You know, they um they spent 1.1 billion on HTC and their talent. They bought Nest for 3.2 billion. They're trying to embed Google into as many small micro places as possible. Yeah. And you need a faster web for that. And if you think about also what their largest costs are, when they're crawling and indexing, they're storing the entirety of the web. So if every website is small and fast, they're basically reducing operating costs. Yeah. So it's in their best interest to make as fast a web as possible. And of course, you know, it's better for users, but I think that this update's just going to be good for the web, and also they're going to save a lot of money if they can if they can make a faster web. Yeah, I mean, the, I, I agree with you, Colt. And there's so many different avenues that are where, where movement is happening right now, and so many different things you can do. Totally agreed on just page experience in general. And I've I've been someone who has been a bit louder about that not being the most impactful update. However, 
right? I think Google has also been very clear in that this is more going to be a tiebreaker. Mm-hmm. And so there will be areas where this is going where this will make a difference. Yeah. And as we all know, SEO is a you know is the the search results are structured in a power curve, meaning that the first result is the most impactful one. That's some maybe sometimes the top three results, right? But we know that the higher you rank, the more impactful the traffic you're going to get, or the more traffic you're going to get in general. Yeah. And it also means that there's going to be more competition for the top spots. Like basic SEO makes all sense. So yeah. now when we talk about the top spots, I think that's where Core Web Vitals might make or page experience might make a big a bigger difference, right? And so in very competitive industries, it, it might absolutely make a difference. What I don't expect is that there will be a lot of sites that are going to drop from like the top three into like the, the top 30 positions on Google. But I could see that maybe some sites drop across the board from position one to position five, and that's going to be impactful enough for certain sites. So totally yeah. with you there, man. I think if I had to mention a second thing, I think the the speed and discipline of execution is going to become much more important because yeah. everything is so much more competitive, because the barrier to entry and creating content are so much lower. That just means that there's more competition. It's going to be more expensive to create content. Um, and uh, the teams that can go through quick iteration cycles and and ship fast will yeah. win in this world. Yeah, absolutely. Got to be nimble, especially with, like you said, with content creation efforts, focus on evergreen content, right? How are we going to compete in this space? What does our audience want? All of those things as well. Another another thing I keep hearing about as well is voice search, right? So what are your thoughts on, on verse, voice search? And, um, you know, what do you think kind of impact it's going to have, you know, obviously in the future? What are some things SEOs can do to prepare to make sure they're optimized for it? Um, I mean, from my opinion, I feel like if you're optimizing for the regular web, then you're optimizing for voice search. Um, I think it's the same sort of functionality that featured snippets work off of. Yeah. Um, So it's not my primary concern, but like I was talking about, there's so many more micro devices coming out, which might only be able to serve one result. So it's definitely going to be a growing industry. Yeah, I I would agree. I'm I'm generally very bearish on voice i don't worry about it at all i think we're just slowly entering the space where you would actually use a device in your voice to do stuff like for me the last couple of years it's been like alexa turn the light on alexa turn the light off right like or what's the weather today hey here we go (laughs) good to know i have that power Um, and uh how often is it like alexa turn the lights off Alexa, turn the lights off. Alexa. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, totally. Or or Siri, the same thing, right? Like I, I turn my, my podcast off when I step out of the shower, right? So it's we're talking about that level. And so <laughs> I think, you know, with with like to be fair, with Alexa, it's starting to ask me, hey, you just purchased this product during that time of the month over the last six months. Do you want to buy that again? And that's when I was like, oh, okay, that's sick. That is sick. And it, it was a good moment too. And I bought it, right? So it slowly starts to to become more and more useful, more and more of a utility. But to really kind of inter- interfere with search in any way or so, I don't, I don't, I just don't see it. So not spending a lot of brain cells on voice search right now. I had to mute. I had like three devices going off. <laughs> I did not think about the, the effect of my actions. 
<laughs> that was so happy and stuff, guys. But um, yeah, so I don't I actually don't have any last ones. I don't want I don't want us to go over. I know we have a hard stop, but um, is there any last last um tidbit that you want to leave for the audience in terms of what is the future state of SEO? What are some things we should prepare for? I think you guys gave some great gems today, some great tidbits and some excellent information. So what would we want to leave off on today? What are some things that we should look at, be you know, paying attention to? And um, you know, what are some things they can do to, to level up? Um, personally, if I had to give uh, people one tip, it would be to continue to focus on content. That's what Google advises to do. Even though I'm a technical SEO, first and foremost, I believe in content over everything. I'm not going to say the old adage content is king, but um, I think well-written research content is never going to go out of style. Yeah, I agree. I don't think that's going to go out of style. Um, I think if I... Let me kind of like dig a little bit in the in the um, you know box of of tools and tips that that people should be focused on. I think if I you know if I if I speaking from my perspective, I think more SEOs would do well to focus on three metrics: direct traffic, returning visitors, and referral traffic. And I think if you kind of aim for these three numbers. Generally, good things happen, right? Direct traffic because it means you have to invest in brands. It means you have to provide a superior product and experience that drives people to your site, right? Like that almost has, has a little bit of a word of mouth effect. Um, and I think referral traffic because it it's a it's a it's a proxy for quality as well. Maybe for good backlink building too. Um, yeah. The returning visitors, same way, right? Like means high quality. People want to come back, see what you got. Of course, that this varies a little bit from business model to business model. But the key message is that whatever your product is, whether it's the content itself or a SaaS product or something you physically ship, it has to be so good that it it pulls people back. And when you got that pull, layering SEO on top of that is very powerful. Absolutely, and I would even couple that with knowing your audience, right? It, it, it be, you'd be surprised how many conversations I have on a daily basis of people that are just kind of shooting in the dark in terms of how they're targeting keywords, how they're targeting content, right? What content to create around specific terms? And it's like, all right, so uh, what do we know about our audience? It's a slide with, with like my picture on it. It's like, hey, that's Jared. Like, <laughs> I'm, like, I'm like, come on, guys. Like, we got to stop this, all right? So there's got to be some more research, understanding your audience, right? Providing the best user experience, like Kevin and Cole both alluded to earlier, right? There's a ton of competition out there. Yeah. There's a ton of competition. It's a low barrier to entry with content. Anybody and their mom can make content right now. My mom is sitting there literally making content <laughs> right now. So like you you have to you have to know your audience, you know, be more strategic around the keywords, right? Understand the user intent, the need state, those type of things that are very crucial. Um, you know, content creation, know the topics, right? Know where your gaps are aligned, know what your competitors are doing. All these things are, are really really uh impactful for your SEO strategy. And like I said, I, I hear too many too far too often, but Keep please telling us because we need that. So please keep telling me this bad SEO stuff and please keep coming to us and we'd be glad to help you guys. Um, but I want to say, I want to end it off on this note. Thank you both. Kevin, thank you for, for taking time out your day, brother, um, you know, for joining us. You can please find him on LinkedIn. He's on, do you want to plug your other social media channels? And Oh yeah, sure. Twitter, a regular name, Kevin Indyk, and my website is kevin-indyk.com. There you go. Please make sure you connect, man. Very good dude, man. Very open. I know he'll respond to you guys, so you know he won't bite. Please, <laughs> all of our relationships here. And Cole, how about you, man? Anything you want to leave off on? Um, I just want to shout out that 
iPoll Rank is hiring SEO engineers, and we're growing our team. So uh, the hiring market is crazy right now, but come come hang out. Come with us. <laughs> What's up, man? It's a great place to be. You know, we, I've been here a year and a half. Cole just joined us, man. We're a great team, super tight-knit. So let us know. Come, come. <laughs> But thank you, everybody, for joining. We had a great, great audience today. Um, any questions, let us know. But thank you again, all. And we'll see you guys next week. Love it. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you. All right. Take it easy, guys. Much love.